This is Bang. Welcome to my party. We're just getting started. A life is a dream or a nightmare scarring. Hand me a drink because I think I'm going all in. Get me a well, Welcome, everybody, to the Boat Fishing Association of Michigan Podcast. Also known as Bam. I am your host, Jason Horton. And today we are talking tournament. Love the ring of that. Talking tournament. This upcoming weekend is going to be our second tournament, May 6th, May 7th, 7P to 8A. Ding, ding, ding. Hopefully you caught that. Make a mental note. 8 a.m. is when you got to be back. Normally it's 7. They extend it to 8 for travel. Why, you ask? Because this tournament is the whole freaking state. That's why we just want to be fair and just. That you can get back with all your fish in a reasonable time. So we're going to give you some travel time. Location has been locked down. Bay City State Park, 3582 State Park Drive in Bay City. A recreational passport is required. Uh, the boundaries are going to be all legal Michigan waters. Remember those uh, trout stream laws? Public boat ramps only. Red zone map is on bowfishbam.com. So make sure you look at that. I am torn every year with this tournament. It, I just don't know how to put it. It's one of those things that I'm willing to travel for fish. You know, I think there's a bumper sticker that says that. We'll travel for fish. I'm willing to travel for fish. But I tell you, being at Bay City State Park, I love Saginaw Bay. Makes me not want to travel very far. So we'll see. See what the scouting produces. See if uh, it's worth traveling. Sometimes this earlier in the season, the west side produces some numbers. So it might be worth traveling on that side. But thankfully for those traveling far away from Bay City, we've given you an extra hour in the morning. So, again... Be back at the Bay City State Park at 8 a.m. Another note, last weekend was the Grand River Scum Classic. Sounds like weather turned out pretty decent. And sounds like guys had a blast. I actually last minute decided, let's go do this. And I kind of put a team together. And then because where I live, it was pouring sideways with rain that couple of the guys said, I don't think that I want to make that trip and chance playing in the rain. So we just decided to not go and kind of regret it because it sounded like it turned out to be a pretty good night. So those guys that did make the trip, I hope you had a good time. I just made a few notes here. Uh, so hopefully I don't have anything wrong, but finalists, First place was Noah Varik, Zach, and Grant. They brought in 281.05 pounds. And they shot 
the total number of fish, I believe, is what the way I took it of 141 fish. Second place was Kobe Hunter Dickinson, Brittany Tinkham, Jake K. Logan Staple. They brought in 280.65 pounds. Pool, that's close. So they were right there with them. Third place, place, Brian Engel, Dave Pepper, Ryan Hubbard with 234 pounds, 234.6. Those guys shot big fish at 32.35 pounds. So if you want to see the results, you can get on Facebook. Just search Grand River Scum Classic. It'll come right up. I got on there, and that's how I got these results. And you can see all the results, everybody. But today's podcast, I decided that I was going to go through some preventative maintenance. Uh, One of our friends runs an airboat. They got to the Scum Classic this weekend, and they had mechanical failures. They were not able to finish the tournament. So I thought maybe we just go through a quick checklist. So I spoke with a good friend of mine. His name is Steve Merlot. Steve's an awesome guy. Lives literally right around the corner from me. Just a little side note. I have ran a lawn care business for quite a few years. And this guy gets all of my small engine stuff. And as a business owner myself, we put those things through beatings. So he's the only one that works on my small engine equipment. So I was talking with him and I asked him, I said, Steve, what is the number one thing that you see when it comes to small engine marine engines? And he said, to be honest with you, he said, the four strokes are being are becoming more and more popular. He said, but it's oil changes said people don't change their oil at all. He said on top of that gear oil, he said, people don't tend to think about changing their gear oil as well. And he sees problems in lower ends and stuff. But one thing that he said to me that I had no thought of, and he said he sees more than he can count, is fishing line and different things of that nature trapped behind the prop. So he was telling me one of the keys that he tells people is to take your prop off, especially in the beginning of the year, take your prop off or at the end of the year when you winterize and check for fish line behind the prop. He said, and also check for prop damage. He said prop damage is huge for performance when it comes to your boat motor. He said with four strokes, two strokes, somewhat the same thing, but he said with another big key was plugs. He told me that he doesn't hesitate to put fresh plugs in at the beginning of the year, whether it needs it or not, just put a fresh plug in it. They're not expensive at all. 
So throw some fresh plugs in it. He also told me that one of the biggest things that hurts a motor are guys like me that don't tend to winterize things. He said winterizing is a key to your boat motor survival. Treating the fuel, taking your plugs out, and I apologize because I should have asked him exactly like what oil, but he said taking your plugs out and squirting some oil in the cylinders and putting the plugs back in. Making sure you have all the water out of the lower end so it doesn't freeze and crack. Then he kind of just started going through a checklist that he kind of has. And he said, you got a minute because I got a checklist that I give people to go through. So he said some of the things that he checks is bolts on the transom that are holding the motor on. Again, one of those things that people don't think about. He said, but he will check to make sure the bolts aren't cracking cracking the transom and smushing in, was the way he worded it, smushing in. And it's not causing a crack down the transom. Uh, he also said one of the big things he checks, and he said he will do this daily, not daily, he will do this every time he takes his own boat out This guy, when you walk into his shop, he has a whole shelf of trophies. And he runs, I don't know exactly what they call them. I call them the cigar boats, but they're like the mini version of the cigar boats. And guy is a racing machine. Ton of trophies. Knows what he's talking about. Knows what he's doing. And he said before he takes his boat out every time, He checks the cowl where the air flows in and he makes sure that a bird, mice haven't started to jam that closed. He said, because air is a huge part of an engine. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I guess I would check that, but I I wouldn't check it every time. And I mean, this time of the year, that's all birds are doing is making nests. So I thought that was a really good point. He also said, to check the telltale, which, eh, for simple-minded guys like me, we just call it a P-stream. He said you got to make sure that your P-stream or telltale is putting out water. He said if it's not, then maybe you've gotten one of those mud bugs up there, mud wasps, something like that that's plugged that hole, or you might have bigger problems. Said so that's huge, huge, huge. Check the P stream. He also said check fuel lines. Make sure they're not cracked. Dry rotting. If they are, if they even start to get some dry rot, he said fuel lines are cheap. Just replace them. Simple. He also mentioned to change the fuel water separator filter. I gotta be honest with you. I don't even know if I know what that is. But, hey, check it. Uh, He said, check your power trim fluid. I told you in the last podcast, I believe it was, that we uh, had trim problems. We believe ours was electrical, but that kind of hit home with us. So, check your power trim fluids. He did say, check your electrical connections. 
he suggests that you put a silicone spray or an electrical silicone spray on your electrical connections. He said he goes through and he likes to check linkage, your steering linkage, your throttle linkage. Make sure it ain't loose and sloppy. And if it is, tighten it up. If it can't be tightened up, something's wore out. Check all that stuff. Again, on his checklist, he said, check and replace spark plugs. He said, sometimes it's cheap enough to replace the water pump impeller. Now, something like that, I'm taking to him to do because I don't know that I'd have a clue where that's located or how to fix it. So, hey, guess what? I'm calling him. But he said that's something else that he likes to check and replace. He said he likes to go around the whole boat and check for hull damage. Us as bow fishermen, we kind of beat the tar out of our boats. So check and haul always kind of seems like a good thing to me. So check the haul. Uh, check your bilge pump. So those things sit down in a hole a lot of times and they get plugged with swamp weeds and mud. Just gunk down there. He said, clean that bilge pump out. Make sure that filter's clean on it so that uh, it's going to pump correctly if you're taking on water because you didn't decide to check your haul like he told you to do. Uh, he said another thing, he will look at their fire extinguisher. I am a fireman myself, so I don't know that I've ever really checked the fire extinguisher since I've bought it for my boat, and that's kind of embarrassing now that I think about it. So don't tell my uh, don't tell my chief. But check the fire extinguisher. Make sure the fire extinguisher is where it's supposed to be. If it's not, they're not that expensive, and it's a good thing to have on your boat. Uh, something else he said was make sure you're checking your trailer. Checking the hubs. Jack it up. Make sure the hubs aren't loose. If they are, tighten them down. Grease the hubs. Make sure you're, I should say grease the bearings. Grease the bearings, grease the hubs. Um, check suspension. Make sure the bolts aren't wearing out. Make sure not rusted. Make sure you don't have any broken. Check your safety chains. Make sure your safety chains are long enough. Make sure they don't have any cracks or breaking off of the, the frame itself. He said, check your tires. He said, that's probably one of the biggest ones that people don't think about until it blows out. He said, just go around the tire, jack it up if you have to. You got to check the hubs anyways. So when you got up in the air, kind of spin that tire. Check for any bulges in the tread, any wear marks in the tread, he said. He said, sometimes a tire will wear weird. That might have something to do with suspension, he said. So check your tires. Check for dry rot. He said, you'll do more damage when a tire blows out from not checking it where you could have just spent 120 bucks on a new tire and prevented it from blowing out. Check the wench in the strap that cranks it up onto the trailer. He said it's actually a good idea to pull that wench uh, strap, the wench strap, and pull it all the way out. Rewind it. When you're rewinding it, keep pressure on it and, and check the strap the whole time some people might i think mine still has a rope i don't even think mine's a strap but check that make sure there's no frays no cuts no tears as you're 
cranking that back in, just check it over really good. Make sure that your your wench is clicking like it's supposed to be. It's locking into place. It's not allowing it to pull backwards when it's locked into place. He said also, very important, is check the emergency retention chain. I will tell you right now that on my airboat, the emergency retention chain is good, but the snap, the latch on the snap has bent out, broken. So I hook it, but it doesn't latch on there. So I suppose if I hit a bump just right, it's going to come off. And I didn't tell him that, but I assume he'd probably call me an idiot because I guess if the wench broke and that happened to pop off, bye-bye boat. So check that emergency retention chain. Check your tie downs, your tie down eyes. Make sure that everything's tight on the boat. Make sure it's tight on the trailer where you tie it down. On top of that, he said, make sure you're checking the bunks and the supports. Make sure there ain't no loose and wobbly bolts there, that they're tight. Nothing's broken, cracked. He said another big one that he gets is lights not working. I won't say that I have that problem right now, but I do. Uh, But check the electrical wiring harness and make sure all your lights are working. Uh, See if you got any broken wires, stuff like that. And he said in giant print on his checklist that he will tell people to make sure they do or he will try to check it for them so that he can bring it up so they don't get in trouble. As he said, it's unbelievable the amount of people that bring a boat to him and the registration is expired and they didn't realize it. So check your registration. Ain't none of us want to get tickets. So check that registration. So that's just a little rundown of outboard motors, trailers, hauls, bow fishing boats. So hopefully that helps. Uh, talk a little airboats. I decided that I would uh, bring in my friend Paul. Paul is a master mechanic. He's the only one that I allow to work on my car. Fantastic guy. Fantastic friend. And can't even count the amount of times that he's helped me out. So we're going to bring him on, and he's going to talk airboats. So how are you doing today, Paul? Doing good, thanks. Good. So just for everybody listening, Paul and I, we go back quite a ways. He's been one of my good, good friends for a handful of years now. Like I mentioned earlier, he's about the only one that I allow touch my vehicles. Uh, because I trust him so much. Uh, the one thing I will say about you, Paul, and this is uh, this is a true statement, is the one thing when it comes to working on vehicles, and if I'm out there in your shop helping you, is just your attention to detail. When when it comes to putting things together, I tend to just slop it together, call it good enough, and you kind of pay attention to that detail. And that's one of the things that I really, really love about you working on my vehicles. So I just want to say thank you for that. And I appreciate that and appreciate your attention to detail. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. I always try to uh, make sure I uh, put things back the way they belong. Let's, <laughs> that's, let's just put it that way. Yep. That's probably, that's probably a good thing. It's never good when, uh, for example, your wife buys, a outdoor furniture or something like that and you put it together and then you have six bolts left over and you go hmm, i wonder where those were supposed to go so <laughs> but hey well <laughs> so 
little bit about you. You are an avid hunter. Um, you and I don't live too far away from each other. Have you been turkey hunting at all this year? Or you uh, not had a chance to get out? I know you do work some pretty long hours. Yeah, I've gotten out a few times. I uh, actually uh, took my daughter out uh, for the first time this year. Uh, we're having a good time going out, uh, trying to get get some birds uh, riled up to try to get her a bird. Good, good. Well, I wish you luck on that. I know that uh, you are a pretty darn good hunter when it comes to an outdoorsman, so I wish you luck on that, but so I brought Paul on today because we are we were talking about airboat motors earlier today, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have you on. Uh, I spoke earlier about small engines when it comes to your boat, marine boat motors, two strokes, four strokes, the checklist that uh, Merlot Marina gave me that he goes through, and then you and I got talking, and we got talking about airboats as as the listeners. I've mentioned it multiple times now. The listeners probably know, and if they haven't, I'll tell them again that I do run a 16-foot Diamondback airboat. It's running a 6.0 LS motor. So for me, I'm kind of the other end of this. I'm not the the marine motor specific because I don't run any of that anymore. Now I'm more of a car motor, and you've helped me out a ton. So when you and I were talking, we got talking about some of the maintenance things that were pretty important. And some of the things you said actually wasn't things that I thought about. And I thought, you know what, that's the stuff that people need to hear. But kind of go into detail what you were telling me about one of one of the first things that you like to check. You were telling me about battery and how important batteries are when it comes to um, the alternator and just keeping, keeping everything running good. What how do you normally go about testing batteries? What do you look for and stuff like that? Well, first of all, I would definitely recommend battery maintenance. Uh, a lot of people kind of overlook a battery. Uh, everybody knows you got to have one to get the engine started, but a lot of times it uh, gets neglected. Uh, cleaning the battery terminals is very important for a good connection to, to receive a good charge from the alternator. Also checking for leaks, cracks, uh, if the battery has sat through the winter and it's been exposed to the cold, uh, check to make sure it hasn't been froze and cracked and uh, or swelled. Look for swelling on the battery. Like I said, clean the terminals. Check the battery. See what kind of charges in it with a voltmeter. You know, if it's low, charge the battery up and maybe do an amp draw test on it or, a, excuse me, a load test on it. You can either use an electronic battery tester or a carbon pile load tester and do a load test on it. Um, if, if you've never done that, you, you, you want to definitely make sure that the battery is charged up first or if it's not something that you're too sure about doing, there's lots of videos online that would you know show you how to do that or you can just take the battery into um, a local parts store and have them test the battery for you. Just make sure you got a good good starting battery. Now let me and, ask. Uh, let me ask you, Paul, real quick. I sorry to cut you off, but let me ask you real quick. When you start talking about load tests, you named a couple ways you can do it. Is that something that someone like myself can get a hold of one of those testers? Is that something that somebody 
like you that's a, a master mechanic is that something that only you guys get a hold of because they're overpriced and something we can't afford or is that something i can go into maybe a parts store a harbor freight can i get something like that yeah you could go to your local parts store uh they sell them uh they have the carbon pile type load testers uh they also have the electronic battery testers people have ranging opinions on them i've used both they both seem to work i myself you know i have both uh, but yeah, you could go into any parts store, pretty much sells them. Uh, Harbor Freight does sell those as well, but yeah, you could, and like I said, there again, um, they usually come with instructions on how they work, you know, to, for the do it yourself or, or you could watch a, a YouTube video online that shows you how to use the, the tool you have or one like it. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's not too much to it, and it's a good way to tell whether the battery has much life left or any life left in it. Because um, okay. obviously, if it can't handle a load, it's not going to handle the starter drawing on it as well. Okay, or so, maybe not even at all. Okay, so if so, if, hey, if I can, I you said my favorite word, Harbor Freight. Those two words, I guess, but you said my favorite two words, Harbor Freight. So if I can get it at Harbor Freight, I know it's affordable. So that's good to know. So if I did a load test on my battery and it load tested good and I wanted to say check alternator, uh, is that something easy enough to do for DIYer? I got, I got a little tester thingy, uh, you know, voltage thing, whatever you would call it. Is that something easy enough to do? Yeah, uh, with the battery connected uh, to the, obviously the battery cables going to the starter and the alternator, first I would check and make sure my battery voltage was up around 12 volts. Start the engine up, and you should see an increase in the battery voltage using a digital voltmeter or a voltmeter, also known as a DVOM. Uh, you want to use that, just test rate at your battery. You should see generally somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 volts, maybe a little more uh, with the engine running, alternator charging. You should seem to see an increase in your battery voltage right at your battery. Uh, sometimes, you know, some people will check right at the back of the alternator, but you can just go right to your terminals right at your battery um, and see a noticeable difference. If you don't see a difference in the charging voltage uh, at the battery, you don't see if it's the voltage stays the same whether the engine's running or not you probably do have some sort of a charging system problem either a regulator voltage regulator issue or uh, you may need to replace that alternator check your cables make sure they're all tight if you have loose cables tighten them up see if your problem goes away if not uh, take your alternator off you can take it into um, a lot of these parts stores will test the alternator on their bench too and double check it for you and make sure that that's the problem oh that's good to know i heck you and i we're i guess uh we're kind of experienced that aren't we we my the work truck i i learned very quickly how important having tight battery cables clamped to that battery how important that is we had that issue with uh one of my work trucks didn't we yep that's right and it was so goofy because yep. we thought we thought okay it can't be that simple and the clamps we had on there were just 
cheap clamps from the parts place that were very soft metal and you'd tighten it and about two days later that that metal was so soft it was already loose again and, and wobbly and couldn't get the truck to want to start it shut off mid drive in and you kept saying it's got to be something to do with those battery clamps and i i literally just tightened them two days ago and you kept telling me check them again and yeah i learned real quick how important that is so that's uh we're we're pretty experienced in that department i guess to say so i was also one thing that i i always keep on hand is i try to keep an extra belt uh when i first built the airboat i was throwing belts and there's nothing like having a belt thrown because i found out real quick that they don't float so you throw a belt can't find it and then you're starting the airboat up going about as far as you can as the temp comes up shutting it off and just kind of coasting a little bit until things cool back down but talking about well let's let's stick with the the testing of voltage and stuff like that one thing that i picture that could be kind of hard on these airboats is there is nights that we're stopping starting stopping starting when things are are stuck if you have an arrow out you get those arrows out so you don't uh, you don't have to stop for very long but there's times we might be shutting that engine off starting it shutting that engine off start it uh, it might be more than someone like myself wants to do but is there an easy enough way to possibly test if your starter's good say maybe the night before a tournament and you want to go out and you want to make sure your starter's good as well uh, it, can you test that as well kind of like you just did the alternator or not really yeah yeah, you can do an amp draw test on your starter and see uh, what kind of amperage draw it has. Uh, that's a little more in-depth. Um, yeah, you can do that. Uh, if it's pulling an excessive amount of amps, then you probably have a starter that's going bad. And, of course, that's going to draw more on your battery, run your battery dead quicker, especially with all the stopping and starting. It could, you know, it, it's possible. You could... You know, wear a starter out over time, especially with a lot of stopping and starting. Will there be any, say you're out on the water, will there be any telltale signs or as far as maybe things you hear or the starter's kind of one of those things that all of a sudden it's working and not working? Will you, will you hear anything? Uh, sometimes you'll hear it kicking out, you know, if it's, uh, or if it's really pulling hard, you know, you might hear it working hard trying to crank over. Um, it's not necessarily a, a low, you know, low battery. It could be that the starter itself is, you know, worn enough and, and uh, or maybe overheated enough that uh, it's really starting to pull hard on the battery. But it's it's uh, it's actually the starter itself that's, you know, the bushings are wearing out in it, or it's just high resistance and causing a lot of you know, the brushes are getting worn and. It's causing a lot of excess amp draw on, on the battery, and you know maybe it'd be time to replace the the starter. So if you're on the water, you better get her started and keep her started. Right, don't shut it off. <laughs> so, uh, oil change, air filters, those are important. The you know some people have uh, like mine has gear drive, keeping the gear oil changed fresh. That's all I know, very important. You've told me that multiple times. The one thing that 
worries me, I guess is the word I'll use, because I've seen it on multiple airboats. Uh, When I bought this airboat, this was what I was told was the issue with the 383 stroker that was on it was overheated, cracked, cracked block. I guess it probably did it crack one of the cylinder walls from overheating. What are some suggestions when it comes to trying to keep that engine from not, not overheating? Uh, You definitely want to obviously first off, make sure the coolant level is where it should be. Make sure you're not low on coolant. Make sure check your hoses. Make sure you don't have leaky hoses, loose clamps, a puncture in a hose, or a rubbed rub through hose or a hose, you know, that is about to rub through. Check make sure they're not collapsed, that they're they're good, you know, stiff hoses that uh they're not old and and uh, really pliable where they're gonna, you know, suck closed on themselves and they get hot. Uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you have good airflow through your radiator. Make sure uh, also, you know, those run, tend to run hotter. Make sure your radiator is sized properly for the engine. Generally, they run a four-core radiator on, on something like that, so you have more cooling capacity because you're relying on that fan to pull air through that, that radiator, and you're running at different RPMs all night long, so you need to, Make sure you have enough cooling capacity in the radiator. Also, make sure your radiator is clean, that it's not plugged up with debris or Slime. anything that's been floating, floating in the air, getting Carp- caught in that radiator, getting Carp- get those things all plugged up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm trying to, we try to keep the fish away from that, that area of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, we try to keep it away from the, the, the prop, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> plugging up your radiator and then it's overheating uh, yeah make sure you have a good radiator tap to get, you know that the cap's not loose or you know make sure that uh, and you can even test those radiator caps with a pressure tester um, pressure test your cooling system that's not a bad idea just to check it for leaks uh, especially at the beginning of the year if you're just getting it out do a pressure test on it make sure everything's tight go from there huh, it's good to know now, I'm assuming they run pretty hot. Uh, one thing that you had suggested to me was cars. What a, a normal temperature for a car is what? 210? 210. 210. Yeah, right, right around 210 generally. Um, but I always run a little, little lower uh, temp thermostat, usually around 180 degrees uh, because they are running hotter with the fluctuation in the airflow on that radiator, uh, they generally run a little lighter, a little lower temp okay. uh, thermostat in those. So keep an eye on your coolant temperature as you're running through the night. Make sure it's not getting too too hot on you. And, you know, keep you know, make sure because if your thermostat plugs or sticks closed and the Temp rises, you know, that's something you want to keep an eye on. Um, or, you know, because you may have a faulty thermostat or a plug thermostat. That's something else you want to keep an eye on. That's good to know. I know you told me before we started when we were when we were talking earlier today, I asked you what the most important thing is, and that was one of the 
things that you said is probably one of the most important is coolant and keeping that motor cool. So that's uh, that was some awesome information. When it comes to running, I'm gonna I'm gonna spring this question on you because I'm I'm curious. When it comes to running fuel, is there something that? Uh, so for example, I have a water separator on mine. Um, it mainly from what I've been told works as more of a reservoir for the high pressure pump. But what do you suggest when it comes to fuel? Should you run? So some of these guys are running big blocks, small blocks, Chevy's, uh, I'm running an LS motor when it comes to some of these different motors, I've been told by others that, hey, running that LS motor you got, it don't matter. You can run premium. You can run just regular unleaded. What is your thoughts on fuel and maybe even fuel additives? I've heard people talk about uh, different people that have got airboats that told me they add fuel additives. What is your opinion on on fuel? Uh, on fuel, honestly, I would probably premium in it. Just because of what I'm doing, I want to make sure I've got a high-octane fuel on it. I'm really relying on the performance of that engine. Um, it's not necessary. I think you could, uh, in most cases, probably get away with running regular unleaded in it. But just for that higher octane, uh, I mean, this is a, a more of a performance engine in this situation, you know, being on an airboat. Well, higher octane is a, my opinion, would be a good idea. Uh, I would definitely make sure I kept my fuel filters clean and the water separator cleaned out. You know, keep an eye on that in case you get water. You know, obviously you're on, you're on a boat, you're in the water. You know, make sure you're not getting water in your fuel. Fuel additives. I mean, other than you know, if it's going to sit for a long period of time and not be run on putting some stable in it's not a bad idea uh, i know everybody has their opinion on those things but uh from my experience stable seems to work good for something that sits for long periods of time you know if it's over winter or something like that putting stable on it's a pretty good idea but you know if it's going to be used frequently i don't see the need in putting any kind of fuel additive in it I would just run good, good clean fuel. Okay. Uh, make sure you have good, good fuel filters and and uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's my take on it. Now, what about what about motor oil? Now, manufacturer recommended, or do you run more of a high performance? Me personally, I run a full synthetic, so I I do run that. But do you run what? manufacturer recommended so say for example i think my 60 is a 5w30 do you change it up with it um you know like right now we're getting colder temps at night when we're running at the tournaments it, it, i'm assuming that's okay because a vehicle runs during the winter anytime anyways but so you know you go from winter you know not winter but you go from having a colder setting at nights and then you get into summer and now you're running a little little hotter temperatures um we just talked about keeping it cool with the radiator but should you be changing motor oil for performance as far as 
I guess maybe I'm not would, sure exactly yeah. how to word it, but I feel like you know what I'm talking think, about. Yeah, I would stick with uh, I would stick with a good synthetic five W thirty if that's what you're running, or you know, um, I'm assuming that most of them are probably running something in that neighborhood five W thirty or ten W thirty. But uh, like your engine, for instance, would run a five W thirty in it, and I would just run a good full synthetic oil in it. Uh, a quality oil. I wouldn't say you have to break the bank on what you're buying, but make sure it's a good quality, high, you know, full synthetic engine oil. Well, and you've always preached full synthetic to me since the day one you started working on my vehicles. But what about additives when it comes to oil? Is there a necessity there? I, I've heard guys tell me, oh, I always run a, a thing of Lucas. I always run a, I, another guy I talked to said he always runs a quart of that Marvel's mystery oil. Is there a need for additive these days with, I feel like motor oil, uh, a full synthetic motor oil is a very fantastic product, but is there a need for a little additive in there or not necessarily? Just in my opinion, in my experience, I haven't seen a need for additives. Um, I mean, some people swear by them. I haven't seen a need for it. Uh, these engine oils now are running under, you know, pretty high pressure and tight tolerances, and they're holding up. Obviously, keep them changed regularly. Don't run too long on them. I mean, being full synthetic, you know, you can get longer run times on them. But still, if it starts getting dirty, you know, I mean, it's going to depend. Off. Obviously, it's on a boat, so. You're not going by mileage, you're run time. So keep an eye on how dirty the oil's getting and just keep keep the oil clean and you know, keep the engine running strong, you know. So that's my take on that on engine oil that I've added as I I don't know, I don't I haven't seen the need for, for additives in today's full synthetic oils. Okay. Well I'll tell you, Paul, that was fantastic information. I hope that people benefit from what you've told us. I can tell you right now, I've benefited from it. So if nobody else benefited, doesn't matter to me, I've benefited. So that's all that matters. So Paul, I just want to thank you for coming on the Bow Fishing Association of Michigan podcast. Um, I appreciate uh, everything you've done when it's came to helping me out. Um, I cherish our friendship and I just wanted to say uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Jason. All right, man. Well, you have yourself a good day, and uh, we will. I know I'll be talking to you soon enough. Good. So that was my good friend, Paul. This is podcast number four, I think. I shouldn't be losing track already. Just started doing this, but I do appreciate all the information that I got from people today. I appreciate Paul for coming on and, and talking to us about airboat motors. I appreciate all the information that Steve Merlot from Merlot Marina and Small Engine Repair gave me. He probably hardly knows about BAM. But if you do have any problems with small engines, um, with marine engines, this dude knows his stuff. And if you are around my area, I live just north of Battle Creek. Uh, that's where he's located, just north of Battle Creek. Uh, give him a call. His name's Steve Merlot, Merlot Marina, 
873-1444 and let him know that that Jason sent him sent you and uh he he's gonna give you a good deal either way but if you say that I sent you he's uh he's probably gonna charge you more let's be honest so um you might not want to affiliate me with it no I'm just kidding no Steve's a great guy he'll give you a heck of a deal so give Steve a call again we thank Paul Uh, I'm not gonna give out any contact for Paul because Paul actually works for a municipality he's done it for like 20 years now uh, for a big city and he was telling me before we started talking that because I told him I said is, do you have any worries with the fact that the airboat's idle for most of the night and he said not really he said where I work our vehicles literally idle all day long he said that do- that doesn't worry me at all so that's good to hear he said these modern motors just keep getting better and better so I hope that this information was helpful. Again, we hope to see you this weekend at the Bay City State Park for the whole state shoot. It's going to be exciting. Sounds like the weather is going to be way better than it has the last couple weeks. And so I just want to thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you this weekend. Make sure you uh, pop in. Tell us you're listening. Make sure that uh, you like and subscribe and let everybody else know about the podcast and i'd like to keep it keep it rolling i got a email that said we're over 200 downloads so that's pretty exciting to see i'm sure i'm probably 150 of them uh not that i'm trying to pad the numbers but hey you gotta do what you gotta do right it's like shooting fish thanks again for listening and we look forward to seeing you this weekend